Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest results, storylines, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, March 27th. It was a rainy but quite eventful day in the tennis world. Obviously, the Miami Masters and Premier events are taking up most of our attention, and despite the delays, we were treated to some spicy results. Djokovic going down, not even being the biggest story of the day, just speaks to how great the tennis was. Wins from Francis Tiafa, wins from Denis Shapovalov, wins from Borna George, all of the young players we at Cracked Rackets like watching so much. And so it, it was a ton of fun. We're obviously going to talk about that as we did yesterday. The Easter Bowl is in play, the Super Bowl of the American Junior season, boys 12s, girls 12s through boys and girls 18s, all in one site, all at Indian Wells, one of the capitals of the American tennis world. So we're going to talk to Steve Pratt again today, uh, hear what's going down there, let you listeners know how you can get involved in the action because it does have a live streaming function and not many junior tournaments do that. So, you know, do you want to find the next Francis Tiago? Do you want to find the next FAA? Go check out the East Bowl. So we'll have that. We'll also, as I mentioned, have Max Rothman breaking down Miami in a little bit. But with that being said, let's talk a little tennis. Joining us today on the mini break, as he did yesterday, we enjoyed him so much we had to have him back. He is the media director for the Adidas Easter Bowl and the 1987 CIF tennis champion, Steve Pratt. Welcome back to the mini break. All right. Thank you so much for having me again. I had uh, had so much fun uh, talking to you guys last night. Uh, Let's do it again. Yeah, and we really appreciate you taking the time doing so. So I want to ask you this, and for our listeners who aren't, follow the Easter Bowl. It is the Super Bowl of American Junior Tennis Tournaments. It's one of the few events, if any, in the country that has live streaming for these matches, as we talked about yesterday. Um, But I know the schedules are a little bit different. I know not every event uh, is played every single day. Can you explain to our listeners how that works? Yeah, so we work on a staggered schedule since we, uh, you know, there's only, uh, you know, so many courts out here. The Indian Wells Tennis Garden has a lot of them, but um, we start off a Saturday. We started Saturday with our uh, play in the 12s and the 14s, the girls and the boys. Um, So they started play Saturday. They play every day, um, which means today they play quarterfinal matches. So our semifinals are set in the 12s and the 14s. Um, You can go online and check those draws. Uh, CheckEasterBowl.com. It's pretty exciting. I mean, these are the top players in the nation um, in their age groups. Uh, So, again, super national um, out here at Indian Wells Tennis Garden. um, And we'll have our finals for the 12s and 14s on Thursday. Well, I'm biased, but the number one seed for the boys 14s, Aiden Kim. I'm pretty sure his brother is Alex, who was my age and played in Southeast Michigan with me. So his success is my success. So let's go, Aiden. We're rooting for you. But I do want to ask, given this staggered schedule, uh, do some of these younger kids have the chance to play on the live stream courts? Yes, they do. We will have the live stream, uh, you know, uh, up and running, of course, every day. And the finals, their final matches will be on the live stream. Uh, we have a, a commentator, Ken Thomas of RadioTennis.com, will start tomorrow. Um, he did two days of his radio tennis segments and introduced all our players on court uh, yesterday and today. But tomorrow he starts on our live stream and he'll be, um, you know, Ken Thomas will be doing all the commentating um, from here on out. And uh, the finals will be on the live stream courts for the, uh, the younger boys, the 12s and the 14s, as well as the girls. 
how cool is that if you came out here with a coach and your parents are still back home or you know you have a coach at home who wants to watch these matches they're going to get the opportunity to do that that's so valuable for these young players I know on the women's side the uh, girls ITF started today uh, in the 18s I believe you mentioned only one of the top 16 seeds lost that's correct yeah Gabby Price fell in her match and she was the only one uh, out of all the, of the matches that were played today um, that, that lost, uh, you know, as a seeded player. Everybody else kind of uh, went through. Uh, Ellie Manlick uh, struggled a bit. She lost her first set, uh, but was able to come back and rebound. Um, with a lot of impressive performances uh, today. The top seed, uh, Tyra Black, uh, winning uh, 6-2, 6-1. Uh, in her match, I don't know if anybody was able to check that out. It was our first matchup on our live stream court as well. We had Emma Navarro. She's the number three seed on our live stream court. I hope people were able to check out her. And boy, what a, a big game she has. Uh, she's ranked in the top 20 in the world, ITF Juniors. I spoke to her after the match, and uh, she's excited about being back. She hasn't played a, a tournament in eight weeks. She, she went down to Australia and um, won two rounds in singles and actually made the um, the finals and the doubles at the Australian Open Juniors with Chloe Beck. Um, so really excited, but she decided to take a little time off. She was, I think she was maybe a, a little tired, um, a little burned out after that kind of trip down under and she said it was the first break she's ever really taken she's never taken any time off and so i think it kind of just recharged her her batteries uh like i said she's really looking forward to um next week and playing in charleston south carolina it's her hometown of course shelby rogers will be returning there as well and so i think a a good local flavor um next week um at a tournament that's dubbed the largest women's only uh, tournament tennis tournament in North America. That's how they, that's what they call themselves down there in Charleston. So it should be a great week next week. I mean, you don't often say that these players use, you know, the Easter Bowl is used as a tune-up, but in her case, it really can be used uh, to work on some things, to do some things. Of course, she'd love to get a uh, an Easter Bowl title. She um, she won here two years ago in the 16s, and she was a, a single semifinalist here last year in the 18s. ITF. So we know she has big game. We know we've been watching her for for a number of years. And Emma Navarro is definitely one to watch, I think, over the next couple of days. Well, you mentioned, uh, you know, the 12s, the 14s, the 18s all being together on one side. And part of the reason I want to have you on the podcast this week is to kind of emphasize how cool that is from a perspective to have all of these kids playing side by side, the future of American tennis. Did you see a lot of the younger players sticking around or coming early to watch the older kids play? And was there a lot of, you know, cool interaction between those generations? Yeah, of course, you always see that. It is it is tough for the younger ones. to They play all over, um, you know, the Coachella Valley. Um, we, we utilize just about every single public uh, uh, and private court, just about, you know, everywhere from Woodhaven to Deep Canyon to, you know, all the different sites that we uh, we play at. Um, and they all, you know, end up here, you know, like you say, like you said, at the end of the day, if they're not too tired or they're not, you know, maybe they're, they're finished up, uh, they will come here and you'll see them, you know, poking their heads through the, um, you know, through, through the, through the screens and, uh, and, and watching these and really getting inspired by the, the older players, um, that they can come and watch because they just don't get to do that at the other, um, you know, tournaments that, you know, if they're at, um, you know, winter nationals, you don't get to see, you know, both of them in all the divisions. Um, so it's really great that they get to do that here. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. That's what makes this event so cool. Uh, you know, I should mention we had the chance, thanks to you, and thank you so much for setting this up, to interview both uh, Hurricane Tyra Black and, uh, uh, I almost said Grayson, I'm sorry, uh, Savannah Brodus. Uh, uh, they're going to be on our Cracked Interviews podcast. I believe that's going to be released later today, today being Wednesday. Um, so be on the lookout for that if you want to hear from the players directly. Uh, just a couple more questions for you, and then I promise I'll let you go, Steve. Uh, question number one, what do we have on tap for our fans tomorrow? Well, we have a mix of, uh, you know, second round matches. Um, the boys and the girls ITFs out here, of course, are our main site. The Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Um, you know, there's going to be some 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 great play there. Um, you know, everything kind of starts slowly, you know, moving over here. So you will have some of the younger, um, you know, the younger, uh, you know, age divisions playing. And, um, you know, it should just be a great, uh, great day of tennis tomorrow. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. And for our listeners who missed yesterday's podcast, where can they find all the Easter Bowl action, the live stream, your wonderful newsletters that I get emailed and I'm so appreciative to read every night? Uh, where can they find that sort of content? Yeah. So, I mean, everything can be found at EasterBowl.com. That's where our live stream is. Uh, if you go to the news tab at EasterBowl.com, you scroll over to kind of news and I'll post the nightly press release, which is kind of, um, you know, like you said, like you mentioned, the newsletter, the, the news release that does go out to all the all the media outlets. And that's at EasterBowl.com. And you just scroll over to the news tab um, each night. Uh, I'll put up the, the day's um, events. And, of course, you can find it. You know, it's a great website, easy to navigate. Um, you can see, um, you know, all the draws and, and the schedules and the order of play and everything right there. So EasterBowl.com is your place to, to find everything. And if they like what they're hearing from you, is it at Steve Pratt? Because that's pretty good. Uh, you know, for in terms of Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, uh, at Steve Pratt 310. That's the uh, LA area code. So, yeah, add the 310. Uh, but also just get me at, at Easter Bowl. So that's where, you know, uh, uh, all of the Easter Bowl is the official, you know, uh, Twitter you know, handle, of course, we're on Facebook, too, at Easter Bowl uh, and Instagram, Easter Bowl Tennis. So uh, follow us, like us, um, do all that stuff you guys do on uh, on social media. Uh, and we'll uh, definitely uh, keep you up to date on all things Easter Bowl. See, if I were you, I would have done at Steve Pratt 1987 to commemorate my title. But Again, that's at StevePratt310, at Easter Bowl. Follow all their content. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time, and we will talk to you again later this week. Okay, thanks so much for having me, and I uh, hope you enjoy the tennis and uh, some great action. Uh, the uh, the future of America tennis on display out here, out here, Indian Wells Tennis Garden. Check out the live stream, EasterBowl.com. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Steve. Take care. Thank, thank you. Bye. Joining me now on the mini break to break down all of our fun action from a late night in Miami, it is my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man I will see in Vegas in just two short days, Maxwell Abauer Rothman. Welcome back to the mini break. Dude, two days is crazy. Uh, Not only crazier. two days, two days in Vegas with Dalton and Westoff. It's going to be a cracked racket. It's awesome. <laughs> Someone's not coming back. Oh yeah, there's there's no way. Money's on Westoff, uh, right? Of course. Come on, <laughs> he's our guy. But what's crazier than us going to Vegas in two days is the Chapo Pass and other results from today that were absolutely 
just unbelievable. We, we, we can just get into it if you're ready. Well, we should say we are recording this at 1.51 a.m. Eastern Time. Obviously, the Shapovalov-Tsitsipas match has just ended, and it feels like we're in Indian Wells again because, I mean, these matches are so late. I'm recording, it feels like, on West Coast time, given how late it is for you. It's, what, 10.51 there, so by no means are either of us recording this at an early hour. But, yeah, that's because Mother Nature had other plans for us today. Westoff, give me an early thunderstorm sound effect. I really think the rain did play a factor in all of these matches throughout the day, Max. Yeah, I, I was watching the Tiafoe Fen match, and there was a point midway through the second set where they'd play like three or four points, and then it'd start drizzling, and then you saw Tiafoe just like look over and just annoyed, and he's like, "All right, back to the bench." And they did that probably four or five times before they could have you know a continuous uh, streak of play. And so, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's really frustrating as a player. You brought it up, so let's start there. Francis Tiafo, the number 28 seed, takes out David Goffin, the number 18 seed, 7-5, seven, 7-6 seven, uh, for Tiafo. He, he came into this match 0-3 career against Goffin. Gets a huge win here to advance to a Masters quarterfinal. He made the round of 16 in Miami last year, but for him, this is a career best in this city. And, I mean, with the margins being as thin as they were, Rothman, I really just think... We, we criticize him when it goes wrong, and I said this yesterday as well, but for Tiafo, his relentlessness, his willingness to move forward, the court speed doesn't matter because he's putting his opponent in such tough positions. Definitely, and and he, you know, does a great job in these kind of matches, you know, winning points in a variety of ways. He's not just, you know, trying to outgrind Gofen. You know, he's, he's going for angles and coming in and, you know, doing his thing with his drop shots and... Uh, I just think that he was, you know, very disciplined in this match, uh, especially towards the end of that second set with the stop and go with the rain. Uh, it really, really took a lot from him to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to make sure every point I'm playing smart. I'm going to hit the shots that are right for me and uh, keep doing what I'm doing that that's working against uh, a pretty steady go fan. A trend we've seen from Tiafo whenever he's had success in 2019, and this seems a little obvious, but for these young players, the a serves. stat like this sort of indicates exactly the jump they make. Look at that first serve percentage, 64% on the first serve, 47, uh, or 45 of 70, win 71% of those points. He was able to play offense against a guy in Gofan who is certainly competent from the baseline, you know, moves very well, plays a very smooth game, very efficient. It's funny, uh, I kind of thought there were times when Tiafo kind of forced Gofen to be the aggressor, and Gofen was just not capable of hitting through these courts without spraying errors. And when the margins are so thin, you know, Tiafo wins 90 points to Gofen's 81. Those sort of little things make the difference. And unfortunately, Miami doesn't have stats, and we've complained about this before, but... Give me some unforced error counts on your website. Give me something on the website, Miami. But getting back to the Tiafo thing, and it's 2 a.m., so I'm going to be scrambled throughout this podcast, listeners, but we do this for you, the fans. Um, he wins 71% of his first serve points. Even more impressive, 64% of his second serve points. Again, it's obvious, but holding serve is half the battle. And Francis Tiafo in the first set, he averaged 120 miles per hour on the first serve compared to Gofen's 108 his serve is now a weapon that is getting him through, you know, so many matches. Even though in this match he got broken three times, 
Absolutely. I mean, we, we talk about this, and we're, we're going to have to bring this up in the next couple match, matches and how important it was, too, because this is a theme, especially for the young guys to, you know, stay confident with the rest of their game. And, and we talk about it even with, you know, guys like Federer, right? You know, the rest of the confidence in their game, in, a, in any of these guys' games, stems from their first serve. And, and we see that with Tiafo, who, you know, was able to be confident throughout this match. The other impressive thing, and I alluded to it earlier for Tiafo, uh, the fact that he was able to track down so many of Goffin's balls. You know, Goffin, not a guy who's afraid to change direction, try and go down the line, get his opponent off balance. But Tiafo was so good at responding, getting that ball deep cross court. He hit a couple slices to get, you know, Goffin uncomfortable, just bought himself time. And because Goffin as you mentioned, wasn't confident enough to move forward behind everything to put a lot of pressure on Tiafa, though, to go fans for credit. You know, he played pretty well in this match as well, but Francis still did a better job of being the aggressor. He holds Gofan to 21 of 46, uh, 46% on second serve points one. He deserved this win, and it's funny, you look on our on our outline and it says Francis Tiafo number 28 seed. That's still crazy to me, but you know, the more and more he plays like this, the more and more it looks like he's beginning to deserve that ranking. I couldn't agree more, and you know, it's it's good to see him be able to break through in this tournament. You know, since the Australian Open reaching the quarterfinals, it's been kind of rough for him. You know, he loses first round to Jason Jung at the New York Open. He loses to Dan Evans at Delray first round as well. <clears throat> In Acapulco, he loses second round to Mackey, and then at Indian Wells, he he loses first round to to Nicolas Jari. So, you know, he he's struggled a little bit since the Australian Open, and all of us had said post post Australian Open, you know, th- this is the guy that we have high hopes for in, in 2019, and uh, this is the the kind of result that we needed to see to kind of boost that confidence in him. But one last thing, just a, a, a super interesting, uh, the time for this match the time played four hours and four minutes is what they have recorded (laughs) on on the website which is just uh comical but i thought i'd throw that in there no that's funny as you mentioned what we're learning more and more about francis tiafo he's a big (laughs) player you know the bigger the stage the bigger the matches he comes out and performs his best and yeah as you mentioned it's going to be fun to watch him continue through 2019 because there's no way a guy has more confidence than him but let's move on to another guy i think is growing into a big player that of course dennis shapovalov the 20 year old out of canada gets a huge match in his win against number eight seed stefano Tsitsipas and fellow next gen atp superstar four six six three seven six rothman the reason we audible today is because we wanted to stay up and watch the end of this match we knew it was going to be exciting and it lived up to the bill I mean, this was, uh, look, we were both just watching this until about five minutes ago, and a lot of our texting back and forth was, you know, oh my God, did you see that point? And, and I even told you, you know, if you can go back and if anyone wants to go back and find uh, at 2-0 in the second set, at 30-all, there's two points back-to-back where it is just some of the cleanest ball striking I've seen, you know, in this tournament. And uh, the commentators were saying at the end of this match, you know, this is something that they hope to see for years to come. And I agree. I think this could be, you know, one of the the, the big rivalries for the future of, of this generation of tennis. The the two one-handers versus just the clean forehands, the big forehands. It It's going to be really fun to watch for, the, you know, the next 10 years. So I think I'm kind of echoing your sentiment when I say this, but... 
other than the fact that they're one's a righty, the other's a lefty, these guys play very similar styles of tennis. They're going to take their cracks at the ball. You know, they want to go big cross court, open up the inside in forehands for themselves down the line, keep their opponents honest by going down the line when they're on the defensive. At this point, the difference, Tsitsipas probably a little bit more consistent, probably a little bit better of a volleyer as well. But That's yeah, what I was going to say. It's more, more importantly, he just comes into the net. Like he, he actually utilizes that as a strategy and, and likes to be aggressive and move in. And, and of course, he's a better volleyer, so he's more comfortable doing so. You know more about firepower than I ever will. Which one of these guys has more firepower? Uh, right? Shap- I would say Shap- Shap- Shapo. Shapo. He hits a so, little flatter ball, right? Um, no, Not necessarily. I, I, yeah. He, cho- he, ca- he can. Crazy. He chooses to. The, the question I was going to ask you, whose backhand do you take? See, it's, it's, it's an easy choice for me. So you're going to say Shapovalov, I think. What yeah. I would argue is the way Tsitsipas can step up on a backhand and rip it cross-court. He stepped no. up on some balls because well, he would hit balls wrong. into the Shapovalov backhand, and Shapovalov sometimes would give him some slice, some dirt, and when Tsitsipas stepped in on those balls, or sometimes Shapovalov would kind of cozy a forehand cross-court, and Tsitsipas was able to unload. Now, I think in general... Tsitsipas steps in on, or Tsitsipas, Shapovalov steps in on the backhand better and has more diversity down the line cross court. Uh, but the way Tsitsipas can step in cross court right now, I, I, it's close. Neither of them has that great of a slice. Uh, no, you're right. But I would argue that Shapo's uh, angle, like short angle backhand cross court is about the best shot on tour. For for backhands. Okay, get the f out of here. You're gonna say it's better than the Federer one. West off West off hit you with a sizzle. (laughs) That is ridiculous. No, but seriously, I mean he's probably got, you know, ten different clips of highlight level. Dude, that was way too hot of a joke. Take it back now. You you don't mean it. I know you it's two AM, so I'm gonna let it slide. I mean, look, it, it, it is – for one-handers, it, it is the best the best angle back in. And, and honestly, I, I, I at times would even say it's better than Federer's. Just oh, that angle, okay. that short angle cross backhand. It's unbelievable. Look, the, this is why I enjoy working with no one more than I enjoy working with you. It's takes like that. But you look at some of the stats from this match. Ace-double fault ratio. Shapovalov, five aces against four double faults. Tsitsipas, seven aces, no double faults. Good for him. It feels like a lot of people have struggled with double faults in Miami. So good conversion rate from him. You know, you look at the first serve percentages, both guys pretty similar. Shapovalov, 69%. Tsitsipas, 71 Shapovalov, 74%. Tsitsipas, 68% on the first serve points one. A big difference here. Shapovalov wins only 48% of his second serve points. Tsitsipas at 70%. And you look at it, though, only a three-point total differential in terms of total points one on the second serve. So that number, a bit deceiving. The the most obvious number that stands out, Rothman, total points won, 100 out of 200 for both players, 50-50 match, came down to a third set tiebreaker. It really was, you know, just because Shapovalov won, you know, he gets the points, I get that, he's going to move up in the rankings, it's a great result for him, but take nothing away from Stefano Tsitsipas in this one. Uh, Of course, I mean, the match was amazing, I think, you know... Ultimately, it came down to clutch, uh, the clutch factor in that tiebreaker. I mean, Tsitsipas was making a few unforced errors that were crucial in that tiebreaker. And honestly, at times throughout the third set, uh, you know, at, at 
3-4, Chapo hit a ridiculous forehand down the line to put him up 5-3, and uh, that, that kind of swung the momentum. And so, you know, you got to give Chapo the credit for being super clutch in this tournament. And, you know, I think Tsitsipas might have a, a Canadian problem, you know, losing to FAA <laughs> last tournament and, and Chapo now. The, the Canadians, again, are, are on a roll, uh, you know, oh. both of them making, making a quarterfinal here. I was just so thankful that Shapoval didn't rap after the match. That's my newest thing. I, was I know you were you were literally it. saying on the on the video you were like, please do not rap, and I was like, don't worry, he won't do it. He's not going to make a fool out of himself out of that win. After that <laughs> win, excuse me. No, I, that's totally fair, and it's funny, you know. My my last thing on these guys, it's it's so interesting to me because as we've mentioned, so many of these next gen players have been having success at these Masters events, whether it's Tsitsipas, Shapovalov, Tiafo, short, you know, the list just FAA, the list can go on and on and on and. I don't know if I'm ready to make proclamations about any of them winning Grand Slams uh, soon, but you know, it really is. It's, it was only a matter of time. All of these players are so talented. I, I just, if people are thinking these results are coming out of the woodwork, I just want to say to them, no, they're not. Like these are the things we've been seeing for the past year and a half, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I just wanted to say, I echo that about Shapovalov's post. Honestly, I think I had a different point, but I forgot it because it's two a.m. <laughs> and I'm freaking tired. But let's talk about something else. I think I'm going to forget quickly. That is the Borna Chorich Nick Kyrgios match from today. Chorich, after somehow losing the first set, I, I don't know how, and I really didn't want to talk about Kyrgios because people just freak out about him and I hate the extracurricular stuff that comes with it because I so enjoy him as a tennis player uh, but for, for Borna Chorich he weathers the storm ends up winning this match 4-6 6-3 yeah at one point in this match Chorich destroys his racket in the first set then later on when Kyrgios kind of falls apart he destroys the racket he gets into us uh, into it with a fan tells a fan fuck you um, always a great thing to do when you're in the middle of a competitive match. Uh, he ends up cracking a racket and I think tells the line judge, no, I wasn't breaking it. I was just folding it in half for this guy. You know, so when that sort of stuff happens. I... Yeah, he was he was folding it in half to, to give to the Cracked Rackets Foundation. <laughs> exactly. But just, uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Here, with I'll, I was to say, I'll, I'll, take it, I'll take it here. I mean, look, I think that Chorich is the exact kind of player that you need to be to beat a Kyrgios who is playing really good tennis. I, I what think about the look, tweener Kyrgios hit? I mean, yeah, I was, I was going to get there. It was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but just uh, when I was looking at – when I was watching – excuse me. When I was watching the match that Kyrgios played against Dusan the Deuce Lajevic, uh, <laughs> there, there were times where – and we've talked about this off, you know, off pod how – you know the disrespect sometimes that Kyrgios pays to players with the underhand serves and the drop shots and kind of the lackadaisical attitude. Uh, it can get to players, and you know he would hit drop shots, and Dusan would hit these kind of crappy shots back, and and you know not really, get, you know he could take advantage of those weak shots and do something with them and, and win the points. And I think that Chorich has the kind of discipline and the type of game where he's you know he's gonna go out there and make as many balls as possible and, and make it hard for Kyrgios. Uh, and when he, you know, Kyrgios makes these kind of weird little drop shots or whatever, he's going to take advantage and, and win those points. And so I think that's the kind of player that you need to be to beat Kyrgios, you know, when, when he's playing like this, but you know, 
also looking at the stats, Torch 78% on the first serve. The first serves, man, it's, it's a huge thing. Uh, Kyrgios, you know, not bad with 71%. Uh, overall, a great match. A lot of flair, a lot of fun points. You know, there's there's going to be a great highlight reel from this match. Uh, but And as you said, the tweener was just absolutely ridiculous. Westhoff, if you could, I'm actually going to need a partial rewind sound effect. So I remembered what I was going to say about Shapovalov, Tsitsipas, and I will try and loop it in into this match as well. With so many of these young players having success, being able to, uh, you know, just progress in all of these big events, be on the biggest stages, have the chance to play in front of the biggest crowds, or at least get that sort of exposure that we see with the Masters and the Grand Slams on, you know, the ESPNs of the world, on the higher broadcast networks. It's fun to see the rivalries that are emerging between some of these players, and I think one of the matches Don't that has... Don't tell me or at least George pairing- Kyrgios is going to turn into a rivalry. Yeah. No, no. I think one of the I think Shapovalov and Tsitsipas, given the totally. contrast of personalities, you know, at one point Tsitsipas was trying to change direction. He kind of tapped his racket on the ground to maybe a gain momentum, maybe b distract his opponent. And Shapovalov ended up hitting a winner on the next ball, and he tapped the ground back. Tsitsipas on the next point hits a huge backhand winner, lets out a huge roar. Just given that Shapovalov is so fiery, and Tsitsipas just doesn't take shit from anyone. I think those two have the potential to have some fireworks in their matches in the future. And you're right. In terms of George Kyrgios, I think George is the perfect player to play Kyrgios in that Kyrgios is going to respect George's effort. George does nothing to disrespect Nick as an opponent. You know, he hustles for all of these balls. He doesn't get mad at the drop shots a lot. He doesn't start talking, you know, to Nick. He just kind of focuses on how he's performing in that moment. And I just think for Nick, that's, you know— you, if you piss Nick Kyrgios off, you're going to get his A game. If you don't, if he's having fun making tweeners like you mentioned, hitting 18 aces against two double faults, he, he can kind of fall into a lull. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And you know, I don't blame you for, for not listening to me. It is 2 a.m., but I did mention that you know, the, the Chapo and Tsitsipas rivalry is something that we're, you know, going to be seeing. No, no, I know. That's what the rewind was, is I just forgot to comment. I was like, that was the other thing I wanted to get back to. Oh, okay. Westall, give us another rewind then. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I, I agree. I, I think that we're going to, uh, hopefully we get, you know, uh, I, we need a nickname for Tsitsipas Chapo. There's, there's not like a I'm done thing. with nicknames. I'm done with nicknames. <laughs> I'm so but, uh, out on them. Look, if if the rest of their matches are like the one that we just saw, I would be very pleased and, and happy to see 39 more of those. So let's hope. Well, I, I completely agree with you. It was so fun to get to watch these guys play. I mean, Borna George, yeah, he struggled at Indian Wells, but he's made Masters Finals before. You know, we've seen this level from him. So to see him have success over Kyrgios, weather that storm, figure, you know, figure it out, go to his plan B, it just speaks to his maturity as a player, and it's why he's been able to crack the uh, top 10. But let's move on to some of our other men's results from the day. I'm going to stick with the young theme first, and then we'll get to our biggest quote-unquote upset. 
Felix Oshir Alassim takes out number 17 seed Nikolas Basilishvili. Well, I mean, big. The quote is on biggest because Djokovic losing is obviously the head storyline, but we are not a cliche podcast. That that to us is not the news we're looking at. We're watching the young guys. We like that sort of trend. All right, sorry. FAA Basilishvili. (laughs) Yeah, so FAA takes out Nikolas Basilishvili, who's the only person who hits with more reckless power than you, Rothman. Seven (laughs) six six four for FAA. He's up to number forty one in the world. He's won 14 of his last 17 matches. He lost to Jir twice, once in the Rio final, once Sao Paulo quarterfinal, lost to Nishioka Indian Wells, but he's beaten Hercatch, Basilashvili, Tsitsipas, Nori, Cuevas twice, Ramos Vinolas, Munar, Garin, Fognini. I mean, you texted me earlier today saying you think he's going to be top 15 and win a title this year, and I, my response was, I don't think that's a hot take. This kid, if he stays healthy, he's ready. Yeah, the way he's playing right now is, you know, next level. I mean, he it's just crazy. Like, he doesn't look like an 18-year-old out there. He plays so smart. He's so disciplined for the duration of these matches. Uh, it, it's truly spectacular to, to go out there and watch him play. Uh, look, the guy also qualified. He played, you know, qualifying rounds before it's getting nuts. into this, which, uh, again, I, I mean, I, I have my issues with that considering, you know, the guy is now about to be ranked 41 in the world. Uh, so look, it, it's just awesome to, to see this kid go out there. I think he's going to be an inspiration for a lot of young players. Uh, he already is an inspiration for a lot of young players and just, I, I hope he, you know, continues to have the the success that he's been having. And let me tell you, if there's one match, I know we're going to get there, but I cannot wait for this match against Borna Chorich. Well, one other thing on the young guys, and then we can move through the rest of the results. The ATP Media Info Twitter account tweeted this out. Four players under age 23 are in the quarterfinals of a Masters 1000 event for the first time since 2009. Those players, FAA, Chorch, Tiafo, Shapovalov. When it happened in 2009 in Madrid, it was Rafa, Andy Murray, Novak Djokovic, Juan Martin Del Potro. Now, I think the craziest part of this is the people who aren't in the Miami quarterfinal. No Alex Zverev, no Stefano Tsitsipas, no Kachnov, no Medvedev, no, you know, none of the, Amer- or I guess Tiafo, but none of the other Americans, Opelka, there's no Kasmenovich, there's just so many, Rublev, so many talented young guys. I'm sure I forgot some, even in naming that list, and it's just, it's a fun time to be a fan of the ATP Tour. So of these four, right? I mean, we're we're looking at O nine, Rafa Murray, Djokovic, Delpo. Right now, FAA, Chorch, Tiafo, Shapo. Of these four, do you think we're gonna see the same success that Rafa Murray, Djokovic, Delpo had, or or do you think the the Tsitsipas, Medvedevs are gonna make it too hard? Because personally, I do think that this. No, no. Excluding, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm gonna take out Chorich, excluding Chorich, and I think you have to throw in Zverev slash Tsitsipas. Those five are, are the next top five. I can't believe you think t- you're higher now on Tiafo than Chorich. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, I, I think that. Uh, wow. the, the thing is, no. Look, Chor- Chorich is always gonna be wow. consistent. The mini breaks gonna... have gotten to you. That's that's not a GSP <laughs> take. <laughs> <laughs> oh man maybe it is just the late night so pod. can i give a quick counter to your counter i suppose sure so delpo what wins one grand slam has been top five in his career has done all these you know olympic silver medalists 
I think his peak. I don't know. I don't want to make any practice. The point is, I don't know if any of these players will match the Delpo peak, but I certainly think a bunch of these players can accomplish more in their career than Delpo did, given all the injuries he's had to fight off. So, like, I don't know. Do you, like, if I said FAA is going to hit See, Delpo's peak, you probably believe it right now. But if I said Francis Tiafo is ever going to be as good comparatively as Juan Martin Del Potro, you'd be like, eh? I mean, he's beaten him, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. But you, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, I do. It, it's hard to see, but I think we that's all sort of. It's so hard, too soon to tell. Yeah. Anyways, it, it was it was a fun little hypothetical. Yeah, it's always fun to do these post two a.m. That's when the best stuff comes out. Uh, but moving through the other events, <laughs> the other upset, the less notable upset, Roberto Bautista, number twenty two seed, knocks out Novak Djokovic in a rain delayed match. One six seven five six three. Rothman stat for you from Tumaini Carriel. Uh the players with wins of over Djokovic at ATP events since two thousand eighteen Wimbledon. Tsitsipas, Kachnov, Zverev, Roberto Bautista, Gut twice, Cole Schreiber. Still the amount of times Djokovic has lost in a major since then, zero. So, you know, this isn't my unique stat, but we know what counts to him. Yeah, of course. And uh, you know, you were complaining earlier about not being able to find the unforced error statistic on these websites. I was able to find this for this match just for Djokovic. Thirty-one yeah, but your unforced stats are errors. under question. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Thirty-one unforced errors for Djokovic in this match. That's a lot for for him. Yeah, you know, clearly a little off. I mean, Bautista Gut when he's on, it's magical. But yeah. Like, oh, he just he pounds through the court. It's crazy. You're telling me this match turns into a three out of five. Djokovic doesn't come back. Of course he comes back. That's why, That's he's, why he has no stupid. losses at a major. This is why I didn't want to talk about it because it's stupid. Because like what you're gonna say? Oh, I don't know about Novak Djokovic. Yeah, right. Like the French Open stuff because it's clay. He has zero losses at a major. Three <laughs> out of five sets. He is not losing. Exactly. Well, then, two other things to talk about real quick. John Isner, the number seventeen, uh, number seven seed, knocks out Kyle Edmonds seven six seven six. Isner now five and zero in tiebreakers during Miami. He entered the tournament seven and ten on the season in breakers. I mean, he's rounding into form. Edmund kind of threw a fit at the end because there's some uh, questionable line judge stuff. Good results from Edmund in this tournament, nonetheless. But for Isner, he's cruising. Well, it's John Isner tennis. I have nothing more to add. What say you? Sam Duvall did something right with him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of Giants, Kevin Anderson, the sixth seed, knocks out Jordan Thompson in our last men's match of the day, 7-5-7-5. Anderson going to get a day off, I think, tomorrow since the Federer Medvedev was postponed, and he plays the winner there. Um, Yeah, and those were all the men's matches. Any final thoughts on that group, or can we move on to the women's? Uh, No, I I said let's move on. All right, I like it. Well, then, only two women's results to talk about real quickly. Annette Contave knocks out Sue C. Uh, 3-6-6-2-7-5. Say, I apologize. Say, of course. Had a great run in this tournament, but for Contave, just a little too much in the end there. Quick Ashley little, Barty. Oh, go quick ahead. little uh, tidbit on, on Say. Uh, her boyfriend is her traveling coach. Uh, kind, That's kind of, kind of awesome. Yeah. It's uh, it was, it was an interesting little. There's like a little article on it, you know. Yeah, if you want to check it out on the WTA website, 
God, you know. God willing, someday some WTA player values my insight and companionship enough to name me their traveling coach. That's the dream, <laughs> right? Oh man, for any any of you WTA <laughs> players that are listening, I'll, I can, I'll DM me and I'll send you Gruskin's phone number. Uh, he'll send you the stats as well. Six two one seventy three, mean backhand, competitive spirit. Um, let's move on to our other match. Ashley Barty, much better competitive spirit than I. Number 12 seed knocks off Petrik Vitova, 7-6, This was another match interrupted by rain. But for Barty, great for her to follow up her Australian Open with a result like this. Uh, yeah, it, truly. I mean, Kvitova, who's just been playing some great tennis, and I think a lot of people thought might win this tournament, awesome to take her out. Yeah. Well, then let's move on to our last thing that is previewing our matches for Wednesday. Uh, a ton of great men's singles in action. Obviously, the Federer-Medvedev match got postponed to today. As we mentioned earlier, uh, Federer 2-0 head-to-head against Medvedev. Played him twice at the end of last year. Beat him in the China, I, I want to say, round of 32 or something. And in the Basel semifinals, 1-4. and four. John Isner takes on Roberto Bautista Goot. He leads that career head-to-head 2-1, though they last played in 2016 in a match RBA won. All three of their matches in their career have gone three sets. FAA plays Chorch for the first time in their professional careers, and I'm not sure if this is scheduled tomorrow given how late they finish, but it may be on tap. Francis Tiafo takes on Denis Shapovalov, their tied career. One and one, Shapovalov beat him in Cincy, round of 64, in three sets, 2018. Rothman, which of those matches sticks out the most to you? Uh, I don't know. FA Chorich, I'm glued. I'm glued. And Fed Medvedev. Yeah. But FA Chorich, I'm glued. Uh, oh, Tiafo Shapo? That that got put behind Fed Medvedev? Was no, because wild. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Tiafo Shapovalov isn't tomorrow, but I'm not sure. Right. If it is, it's going to be another one of these, you know, 10.30 p.m. start times that end at 1 o'clock, which would How am I going to Vegas again this week? That's all I'm thinking right now. Is like People I'm must so think tired. you're a degenerate after listening to the mini breaks this, God willing, this, this some, week. God willing, some WTA player thinks I'm a cool degenerate who has great tennis advice and is willing to have me as their traveling companion. Yeah, realistically, <laughs> you're just a tennis nerd who likes to podcast. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, no denying it. <laughs> no, you're right. You, you've, um, you, yeah, you got me. <laughs> but uh, I think you know. Look, if I'm a betting man, I'm I'm putting my money on Batista Goot pulling this one out. I'm putting my money on Fed pulling this one out. I'm putting my money on FAA, and then I'm actually throwing my money on Chapo. Did you say Isner? Uh, no, I'm take I'm taking RBA. Oh, you're taking RBA. I don't want to. Dude. I would love to take Isner, but I'm taking RBA. He's gonna ride the high. He's gonna ride the high from Djokovic, and he's gonna be steady enough to to take down Isner. The crazy thing to me, one of RBA, Isner, FAA, and Chorch will make the finals of this tournament in singles, and I guess we saw Isner do it last year. So I'm down to see him defend those points. On the women's side, Wang versus Halep. Pliskova comes back last night from a set down to advance and play unseated Bondrasova. Who do you have as your winners there? I mean, look, you know, Halep was able to take down a, you know, a, a very strong Venus the other day. So I didn't get to talk about that match, but, you know, really, really strong from her. I'm taking Halep 
Uh, and I got to take Pushkova. I mean, I, I've been watching her play, and she just looks really, really solid right now. I have texts for those who don't believe Max Rothman where we both say we predicted her to win this tournament. So check the receipts, baby. I agree. Pliskova all the way. I love Halep's form. I'll take her as well. It's going to be so hard to hit a ball past her in these Indian Wells courts. But Max, I'm freaking tired. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, give me your final thoughts. Vegas is in two days. Go to sleep. (laughs) What should people be ready for on your mini break tomorrow? Oh, that's that's a good question. Uh, A lot. I mean, we're going to be recapping (laughs) a lot. (laughs) I'm just going to leave it at that. Let's let the the minds wander a lot. I love it. Perfect. Well, thank you to you. A huge shout out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a an editing job to do as always. It's been, you know, a lot of a lot of work, but a ton of fun for us to get to do these daily mini breaks for you guys, especially during the Sunshine Double. If you've missed any of the action, want to check out stuff going on in the, in the t- other parts of the tennis world, college, junior tour, uh, interview front, check out our website, CrackRackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast as well as our other podcasts. The Great Shot Podcast, the Crack Interviews Podcast, and our newest podcast, the What the Deuce Podcast, Christian Harris and Friends, talking about some funky storylines. If you like our other stuff, I promise you'll like that. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you know the deal by now. But one last time, for my wonderful co-host, Maxwell LeBauer-Rothman, for our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Wassoff, and for our entire team at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Rothman, what do we say to our fans? That's a break. I love it, and we hope you enjoy your Wednesday. Thanks, everyone.